Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, people, I, I, it's not a New Year's resolution, but I talked about it earlier. I, I'm going back to the gym, and I go to the gym in Burbank, and I don't do cardio because I want to get in shape. I'm starting to feel like I'm getting man boobs, and my, my 32 pants are now 33, which I don't like. And my girlfriend's in great shape, so I have to, I have to stay in great shape. But what I notice in Burbank is it is the worst area of personal trainers ever i swear to god these people have like flabby arms and i don't know what what it takes to become a personal trainer i mean i think i might try to do it i'm not in good shape but it looks easy enough and what i also hate about the gym is it's the the people are so annoying i was i was in there yesterday check out the mugs behind the mic i was sitting there yesterday something kicked on see that that just threw me off that just I mean, that's never happened see that it's uh, something people i pushed my song and some mugs behind the mic i guess they put a i don't play any stop sets so i guess they put that in enough of that people i'm not i'm, I'm bringing my guest enough because he's looking at going what the hell's going on it just said mugs in the way <laughs> see that we we're just talking about it. he goes oh you better be good pressure's on me not on him as usual because he you know but my guest is john asher how you doing john hey how are you thanks for having me it's good to have you on man it's um you have you've had quite a career i I've, I've, i'm checking it out you know acting directing and now you you're, you grew up in Hollywood. Yep, yep. Uh, third generation uh, Hollywood. Now your mom was an actress. Yes, I guess that makes me fourth generation. I don't know. Yeah, my mom, Joyce Bullifant, was an actress. She played Murray's wife on Mary Tyler Moore. And she did Match Game and all those other fun, crazy shows. And she was in a lot of Disney films. And she married a lot of men that were in the business. Her first husband was uh, James MacArthur from okay. Y Five O, Bookham Dano. Okay. And then on to Ed Mallory, who was my biological father, and he played Doctor Bill Horton on Days of Our Lives. Okay, well, so that guy—he's been on for years, right? Wasn't William Horton on forever? Yeah, he was on for a long time. And then, uh, uh, then she divorced him and married uh, who I consider my dad now, William Asher, who adopted me when I was eighteen, and uh, he's very very uh, famous director for uh, directing 110 episodes of I Love Lucy and then uh, after that creating Bewitched and then you know basically inventing television <laughs> yeah, so so you grew up around it so it was a matter of I mean did you ever think you were going to a different path or were you always as a kid saying I want to follow in the family's footsteps because even you know all your step or stepfathers or however you would call them they were all popular in the industry mm -hmm. so did you ever sit there and think you know i might just go into accounting did you ever or no. was it always something that you always wanted to act and write or direct or it's ridiculous i honestly wanted to be a professional surfer were, were, you, were, you, were you a good surfer <laughs> i was pretty good i mean i still surf today um i'm nothing compared to the guys that are in the water today you know kelly slater uh, started he's the uh, same age as me actually and he just won well he just won the pipe masters but he's won the world title 11 times isn't it amazing that you think because sports you think as you get older you start losing your edge but like him and tony hawk these guys still win and like yeah. tony hawk's gotta be like 55 i mean <laughs> seriously and you watch it and you go and another thing is like that he's like they're like the coolest like like if you were their kids, it's like your dad is like, if you say, oh, my dad's Tony Hawk, oh, it's you got street cred. I mean, oh, yeah. no one's going to pick on you because yeah. they don't want to see Tony Hawk come down to the schoolyard. Absolutely. So you surfed a lot. So you wanted to be a surfer. Now, now what happened? What discouraged you from being the surfer? Uh, when I was 19, I moved out, uh, which is late for moving out, but it's when I moved out. And uh, I realized you can't make any money surfing. Okay. I, was, <laughs> I was not making any money at all. Uh, and then I did a carpet commercial for Monsanto carpet. I don't even know if they make carpet anymore. Um, and all I had to do was eat a hot dog. 
And then two weeks later, I got a check for ten thousand dollars. Really? <laughs> yeah. So no, how? Believe it. So how did that? How did that come about? No, first of all, you didn't do any acting in high school or anything. I did. I did Bye Bye Birdie. I did some plays, and I did. You know, as a kid, I I messed around. I was always it was always lingering there, uh, interest in acting, and I studied acting as a kid, but I just never thought it was going to be my career. So you get this commercial. Now it's your first audition ever. And uh, you, and you, like third, yeah. Yep. And they pay you ten thousand dollars for eating a hot dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing how commercials have changed <laughs> now. I mean, yes. you know, I mean, you know, because you've acted. I mean, the com- everyone I know, people who I know, a friend who's in a very big national commercial right now, and it's not, you know, the national rate, so you got to buy out. But it's like you sit there and go, man, I, if this was years ago, you would have made two hundred thousand dollars easily. Oh yeah, I mean, it's changed. Oh yeah. So, so you get the Monsanto eating the hot dog. That's just classic, though. You eat a hot dog and get paid ten thousand no. dollars every. I mean. It's, that's 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 the life. So you're 19. You have ten thousand dollars. Did people recognize you from that commercial? No, no. There was none of that. I, 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 there was a little girl in the commercial who played my sister, and her parents were on set. And it turns out that her dad was Harry Gold, who runs the Harry Gold Agency. Okay. And he said, "I'd I'd like to represent you." And I was like, "Okay." I didn't even know what was happening. Right. Uh, and, and then he took me on, and then uh, three years later, I booked Weird Science. Okay. So now. Uh, that was a big show. If people don't know, because some listeners, Weird Science was in the uh, John Hughes movies, and it was originally with uh, Kelly LeBrock was in the movie. And like every back then, they spun off a lot of movies. And now, how did that? Were you acting before you got that part? I mean, were you yeah. a commodity where people said, "Oh, get this guy to the audition"? Because that happens a lot of times. Or did you just go in pretty much blind? No, no, I, I had been working a little bit. Um, yeah, I guest starred on a bunch of shows. Who's the boss? And and. Uh designing women and i had a small very very small role guy in the hall on 90210 <laughs> that's cool though the guy in yeah. the hall I, I always, <laughs> that's hilarious I, I gotta i gotta check this out right now because I, uh-huh. I love what, i love when you go with people when if you go to imdb and some of the different roles like when ray's roles what ray Rebruso, uh his roles were on it was like italian 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 and then mcguire i'm like where the hell did that come from <laughs> exactly and, uh, so let's see we got we got He's, uh, you were young, Jerry, but that was in Space Cowboys. That was oh, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, Space Cowboys was uh, after Weird Science, working with Clint Eastwood. So what we're looking at, you were, God, you were in a ton of stuff. You were the smart-ass mohawk mm-hmm. in uh, Double Down, and uh, you were Usher. Were you an Usher in Frozen? Who's the boss, or did you play an Usher? Uh, that one, and then who's the boss? Yeah, I was an Usher at a baseball stadium. And uh, I had dialogue. I had lines. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure you did. I'm just saying, it would, it would be listed if you didn't. I worked, uh, yeah, Alyssa Milano. Uh, boy, did I have a crush on her. She, I still have a crush on her. She's so beautiful. Um, she is. And so funny, there was that big thing recently because Jay Moore had made some comments because she just had a baby. And mm-hmm. he made some comments about, you know, her weight on something. And, Jay did? I know and, Jay. And my girl, known Jay my, forever. My girlfriend told me, she's like, that's one thing you don't make fun of, you know, yeah. a woman's weight after having birth. And, uh, Man, the shit hit the fan, and Jay actually wrote a long apology because Melissa, Melissa Milano is like America's sweetheart. Everybody likes Melissa Milano. Yeah, she's great. She's great. She's beautiful, and Jay's a good guy too. I oh, mean, yeah. I think I think uh, all comedian, got, it, all comedians go for the laugh, right? Yeah, I, I think it got <laughs> little spun out of shape. Right. right. So now, did you As talk? All things. Now, did you talk to Alyssa at all when you were on the set, or were you nervous? Because you were. No, no, I did when I was doing that. I did, and she was very sweet to me. Um, I had a couple of girls that I had crushes. I did. Who's the boss? And Christina Applegate said, you know, if you dye your hair, 
I don't remember what it was. If you dye your hair darker or something, your eyes will pop more. And I was like, oh, my God, she's into me. She wasn't. But she, <laughs> I thought, but I, I was like, you know, the, the, you know, it was nice to be, you know, who was a great uh, person on the set was uh, David Faustiano. Okay. Uh, who I ended up, I ended up directing him years later and going to California. But he was so awesome. He, you know, I'm guest starring on the show and he comes up to me. He's like, you want to go to lunch? And he took me to lunch. That was nice. You know, they don't have to do that. Yeah, I think a lot of times... They're probably just they, they see someone who seems cool and they're probably sitting there going, You know what? We're on the set every day. We eat with the same people. We just want to meet someone. And I think no. that happens a lot because then it's not like they're out and someone goes, Hey, David Bud Bundy, can you can we go have a drink? Now it's like, Okay, he's on the set. He's here for a reason. He's not right. here to chase me. Yeah. It's that or they're like, That guy looks really lonely. <laughs> Let's take him to lunch. <laughs> One of the two. So you're, you're doing all these uh, guest roles, and mm-hmm. so then the series comes up. Now, did you? It, it was basically start off as a pilot, right? It was guaranteed thirteen on the air, off the bear. It was okay. unbelievable. Yeah. So that was just you walked in, and how many auditions did you do? A lot. Uh, they they did a chemistry test with Michael Manasseri and I. Uh, Mike and I were paired up from the very beginning, uh, but there were so many different network passes and and studio tests, and then John Landis wanted to see us together, and they had some kids that were truly 16 to play 16 and then they had us who you know I was 23 playing 16 now did you when you look back did you think you looked could you pass for 16 or did, oh yeah I mean were you that young looking yeah I mean I'm I don't know well, you're young looking now I'm, I mean no you don't you don't look how old are you I'm gonna be 43 in five days yeah you look you look like mid 30s most I mean nice. no, you, you got you got it you, but I think it's the hair and just you know because you have hair <laughs> <laughs> no I just think it's so so you're playing now did that did that seem weird having to play someone 16 when you're already older no because I probably was not fully developmentally okay. <laughs> as it was but uh, no it was fun it was fun being goofy and naive and uh, I had so much fun doing that show um, with, you know Lee Turgeson playing uh, Chet he's a brilliant actor Vanessa Angel playing Lisa she was amazing Mike everybody was great and we were doing goofy stories and we were kind of we were USA's first baby we were USA Network's first original show along with Duckman I remember okay yeah uh, and that was fun I mean it was a part of my life that I would never trade in it was unbelievable but that's when the directing started kicking it was was on for four seasons right Mm -hmm. now were you getting recognized now because I always it's always funny like you know with TV people get recognized for as a a lot of times they don't know how to not handle it but it's very odd right because like, probably for weird science probably a little bit of a younger crowd yeah so did like did kids like start recognizing you in a mall I mean occasionally people would walk up and say hey Gary Wallace and you know I'd sign a thing here or there but you know it really didn't start happening until about 10 years later okay and I went to Vegas and you'd be surprised how many people were watching that show secretly <laughs> Well, it's, you know what I mean? And, and it's when the stuff comes yeah. into syndication and Netflix, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's the people go like, wait a second. You know, yeah. Ernest Thomas from What's Happening was on. Yep. And he said just yesterday, and he said, um, everyone loves Chris. Mm-hmm. He's huge in Europe. Mm-hmm. like, And it's weird. It's like they, and people now, you see it and you see it and you can have access and people sit there now and it's a whole new generation watching it. It's probably us older people who are sitting there going, well, we love the movie. Let's watch the TV show because you sit there and it takes you back to your youth. Yeah, and I would have guys, you know, that were, I think now probably in their 30s, but guys 
you know, coming up to me saying, dude, I used to watch that show when I was a kid. I never told anybody. It was my guilty pleasure. You know, so that's cool. I'm just, I'm, I was glad that I was able to make people laugh. And, I just, you know, I laughed at people like saying, it's like, it's in the closet watching that show. Cause like everyone loved the movie. I mean, it was a great movie and it's yeah. a great story. And it's basically the nerdier guys prevail, which yep. it's basically, and that is, has a great message. It's just funny that people <laughs> sit there like, Yo, don't, don't, don't tell anyone. It's yeah. my guilty pleasure. It's like, what? It's a good show. Yeah, I know. Crazy. So, so you said you uh, that's when your directing started kicking in during mm-hmm. that during that time what made you think that you would wanted to get in directing were you sitting there watching what the directors do were you I'm, learning or I just you know um, my, well my uh, you know my dad passed away last year I'm sorry. that's all right uh, and uh, he's always been you know someone who I admired you know who stepped into my life and 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 offered to adopt me which okay. was amazing oh, it's, yeah, it's, with with already having five children of his own taking on another one um and just the his leadership skills but in the sense of how he did it you know everybody wanted to do it for my dad the crews loved my dad and i just remember watching the directors on the set with us during weird science and the amount of respect that they demanded and got and how they were able to achieve uh, their storytelling abilities, and I just really paid attention, and that was my school of directing. I really, really paid attention, and every week we had a new director, so each guy, I was starting to get to the point where I'd be like, oh, I can see what this guy's doing that's wrong, and I can see what that guy's doing that's amazing, and I love how this guy talks to me, and I, and then it really just evolved me into to the filmmaker I am today, um, and I begged the you know the producers in the last season uh, of the show. I was like, "Let me direct an episode." And they were like, "There's no way." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was sort of like your film school. I mean, you, yeah. But, but you were land. I mean, the difference is film school. You go to class. Here, you're in the trenches, and you're. I mean, it must have been invaluable to you. It was insane, and I and 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 in the last season, I got uh, the 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 camera operator on the show, uh, Mike Frediani actually was the dp of the very first thing i ever shot which is a little short i wrote called the room key and universal financed it which was really cool of them they figured here's this guy he's on our lot shooting this show so they financed it they gave me the trucks okay and i went and shot this uh, horrible horrible short it was really bad but but it, it ended up you know teaching me and now you, you said know. you wrote it now during that time when you wanted to direct were you also writing on the side at all or you just is that something that you said okay i have this opportunity i can write this and direct it um, I think that was just an opportunity, and I and and uh, and now writing has really become. I, you know, I'm dyslexic, and it's so hard for me to spell. Even spell check doesn't know what the heck I'm doing. Okay. Sometimes it's like what and and which not a witch on a broomstick, which way, and I I just I do everything like, oh, you know. I remember during a. Um, uh, oh, I can't even say it on this because we can't swear. But I, but there. Was you can, you can if, if, you, no, just no f bombs. You can say if anything else. If you say dick cock, you can say that's fine. You can. Oh yeah. Well, there was during the table read for somebody marrying me. And I know we'll get to it, but I was just uh, we were reading the script with everybody, and I'm reading the stage direction of this movie that I wrote, and then I said uh, cock 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 at the door instead of knock knock knock. <laughs> which I literally had written that way. I just don't. I I can't. You know, I'm not a good speller, but. What I do realize is that I am a good writer and I have to keep writing. Um, so I've written two films that I've directed. And well, people have always said that because I like to write a little bit too. And they always say, if you like my friend wrote a novel and he said, the editor will clean it up. I mean, not the, the publisher. Mm-hmm. Or with writing, it's like, I'm, I'm the same way with spelling. And then I get over 
like when you write and you see that red line that it's not oh, correct. It's and I go, okay, my grammar's not. But I would say it like that. So you go back, and then then yeah. you get more frustrated. And I just learned, you know, screw it. I said, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back. But then you look at it, and you see that red, and you sit there and go, oh my god. I smoke while I write, which is crazy because I'm not a smoker. But I. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me on task. So we we said Space Cowboys. We're going to get back to directing. You got to work with Clint Eastwood. I did. It was unbelievable. Now was that a big part? Or was it a small part? Or a small part? I played um, uh, young Donald Sutherland. Okay, and I can see that. There you go. Yeah, you know, yeah. but but you're more handsome than Kiefer. <laughs> why did Why did they get Kiefer? Because uh, he was too old at the okay. point. They wanted young, young. Okay, um, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was for three days out in the desert, um, and he doesn't say action. He just, you know, I sat down, and he handed me the magazine, which was one of the props for it, and he's like, okay, do your stuff, and he walked away, and I was like, what the heck, and all of a sudden, a crane came out of the, I was like, oh, okay, and I was in the scene, and then there was a scorpion, I had no idea we were going to do this with a scorpion, but he wanted me to pick up a scorpion, a real scorpion. And you're like, no, man, no, I, I like acting, but yeah. I'm not getting stung. Yeah, but then it was Clint Eastwood, so I was like, I'll pick it up. Like of course, yeah, you, you, know I mean? you can't puss out there with Eastwood because yeah. he's like, he'll kick your ass. Even if he's now, totally. he can kick both their asses at the same time. Oh, he totally could. He can kick your ass by looking at right. you. <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. And I remember uh, on you know um, at the time, I had just met uh, my ex-wife, Jenny McCarthy. Now, how'd you meet her? Was that-, that was, uh, you know, fate. Uh, I was, you know that she was potentially going to replace our our genie on weird science i did not know that that was the yeah there's we were vanessa angel was going to leave and jenny was going to play the uh genie but uh, she ended up getting her own show so i was going to meet her there then i ended up auditioning for her show and i didn't book it and then i cast her in a movie called diamonds and she had uh a quick couple days of work and we fell in love on the set instantaneously. Instantaneously. It was crazy. See, it's funny. I remember seeing, like, uh, on the shows, you know, Jenny mm-hmm. McCarthy and husband John Ash. So that's when uh, when Ray mentioned your name. I was like, I know that name. I know. That was when I guess he had met you shooting um, in Plain Sight. In, in Plain Sight, yeah. yeah. But I was like, God, you know, it's the thing. You click, you go, because I have, like, idiot savant memory. I'm like, I know that name, John Asher. John, and then I blend it and I said, All right. And then I recognize you, and it's just weird. Mm. So, um, well, how did that must have been different? Because you you sort of got thrust into the limelight then, didn't you? Because you're married, to, she was very popular. Oh yeah, yeah. No, she's a big deal. She's still a big deal. Um, I yeah, that was I was a whirlwind. Um, but it was great. It was I would I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, it's awesome. So, so you're doing your acting, mm-hmm. and they said no. You, you do the space guys, and they say there's no way you're directing a weird size. They, yeah, they, yeah. So now do you go? You go into another series, or what do you do? Or do you sit there and go, I want to direct? Because it's probably you can do both, but I think probably. You're like, eh, you know, My, I need to get some directing. Somehow. I did. I did something called the Gun series for Orion Television um, uh, for Krishna Locke. I remember back in the day uh, with Daniel Stern. That was kind of cool. Oh yeah, well, it's the um, Voice of the Wonder Years. Yeah, just, and he's just yeah. so cool. I mean, he's I'm awesome. A, I'm a huge fan of the movie Diner, mm-hmm. and he's Shrevey. You he's know, amazing. and so you sit there and you go, and I look at. I don't. Have you seen, you've seen the movie? I'm of sure, course. Right? Yeah. And you look at that cast and you go, wow, it's like. I mean, Mickey Rourke was like, really, I mean, even Tim Daly, who went on to be in Wings, and just yeah. even, you know, of course, Barry Levinson, but it was just amazing. So that must have been cool for you. No, it was awesome. Dan- it was awesome. And then uh, my my manager at the time, Ken Jacobson, uh, got me my first movie, which was called Counterfeit, with a K. 
Okay, sort of like California with a K. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, and we had uh, a wonderful cast, We and which we did, actually. I mean, Hilary Swank, um, who, who, you know, it was crazy. That we- now, I saw that because it says in, in one of your, it's, I think it's your biography on IMDb, mm-hmm. it says, you know, one of your first directing movies was with... Hillary. Hillary Swank, mm-hmm. who was you know is come such a great actress, but mm-hmm. I mean this this was you were younger then, right? So were you were you a little nervous doing this 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 movie? Oh yeah, I was. Uh, God, I think I was twenty five, okay. maybe maybe twenty four, well, twenty five. How, how did that come about? I mean, just because you hadn't you had directed the short, you really hadn't directed anything. Yeah, I directed the short, and then I directed a music video for a jewelry company. And uh, <laughs> and I don't. Gosh, I wish I could remember the name of the band that was playing in the background. But my managers liked it so much that they thought I could direct this erotic thriller. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and they gave it to me. It was a small movie. I think we did it for like eight hundred thousand bucks. And uh, it was Corbin Burnson and Hilary Swank and um, Bruce Payne. Bruce Payne. I don't know him. Remember, do you remember Passenger 57? Do you remember that movie with yeah. Wesley Snipes? He I was think. the bad guy. Okay. <laughs> um, it was just surreal. I think I just had a dream the other night that those two were in a film together again. Oh, my God. I can't, that's Mark so Paul Gosselaar was in it, too. He was. He was awesome. What a sweet guy. He's he just, cool. he's, he's, you got to like him. I saw a latest thing the other night, the best of uh, Fallon, and I guess a few years ago, he came out dressed just like Zach, and they did the makeup, really? and he looked so young, and I'm like, that's just cool, you know, when you can sit there and have fun. Yeah. So now, were you nervous directing this? Because, I mean, basically, oh, yes. you, you have a lot of money, and even though, I mean, 800000 you know, for a budget doesn't seem a lot, but for you, it's like, going from a jewelry video, and a little, a little, a little <laughs> Short at Universal, which the budget was probably like twenty five thousand, probably for Universal, Not even like ten that, grand. Yeah. yeah. So now all of a sudden it's eight hundred thousand, and you have right. Corbin Burson is a big actor. Yep. I mean, he's you know L A Law now. He's in, but now he's in Psych, but he's he's a known face, and there are people, and you're they all know you're probably a first time director. Oh yeah. They probably said they're going. Oh yeah. Not only do they know it, uh, but they had I didn't know this till the end of the shoot. They had a friend of theirs on standby, ready to take over. Really? Yep. In so, case I. He <laughs> see, pr- well, it's glad you didn't know because that would have just. You would have been thinking about that the whole time. It would have been in your subconscious. I'm not kidding you. On the first day of shooting, I had an ambulance come to the set and check my heart rate. And well, you were, you were that. I mean, what was it? Yes. Just the whole, I mean, because remember, just, this is what you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's what I wanted to do. It was happening, and people were listening to me. <laughs> it's like, what? You know, every single person, there's questions coming from every direction when you're directing. And it was so overwhelming. I didn't know how to prioritize and how to... Um, put things into categories and and just you know know how to store everything and how to talk to my actors and get the camera shot I wanted and I was so prepared and so ready to go Um, and I was doing great and we made the first day actually I shot the first day in 13 hours which is you know almost just an hour over schedule but For, for a movie like that how long of a how long is did they tell you you have to shoot the movie like when you walk in today did they tell you how many days yeah do we yeah, need to 18 be days yeah okay. you always know yeah what your schedule is in advance but but I, I the the, uh, the the paramedic told me that I was having a panic attack <laughs> <laughs> and I said oh good as long as I know what it is that's exactly. happening because I couldn't figure out why my heart was beating that fast and he said you should probably lay off the cigarettes and the coffee and I was like all right um, and then I, you know made the movie and then you know the next film after that was you know Kurt Douglas and Lauren Bacall and Dan Aykroyd so and it just see now that I mean okay, you have one on your belt so now when you get it you get that under your belt are you feeling a little more confident now yeah I mean but are you probably still nervous because then you're going from your first one and then you're going into boy can we get heavy hitters more heavy hitters for you here's your second movie John yeah. oh well who's who's in it yeah. uh, uh, Kurt Douglas um, um, 
Laura McCall and Dan Aykroyd. Oh, oh, that's it. Okay, thanks. So what was that like? I mean, because you're working with people who who are professional. I mean, they've done so many things. Right. First of all, I think in a scene, like, in, in something like that, it's probably sort of easier to direct because they probably take you, not on your wing, but they're like, okay, this guy's a young guy. We all want a good project. Mm. We know what we're doing. Mm. So what was that like? And even meeting them. Uh, you know, uh, Lauren Bacall was a friend of Dan Aykroyd's, uh, sorry, of Kurt Douglas, and uh, he had suggested that I go talk to her and see if she wanted to do the part. So I went and met her at the Bel Air Hotel in Beverly Hills. Now, were they, did they know of your family? Like, did any of them know your father or your mother or know of them? And did that maybe make it a little easier for the meeting? Or They knew about my dad, but I did. I'm the one that found the script. Okay. So I kind of had that little bit of leverage there. Uh, now, how did you go about finding a script? Were you, were you sitting there going, okay, I directed this movie, I want to get new projects? Projects now. I mean, how does one go about finding a script? Uh, I hope I get the names right, but I believe Marty Baum at CAA, a uh, very famous agent there, gave me the script to look okay. at and see if I was interested in it. Uh, so right now you're on board as a director. So basically mm -hmm. people are like, okay, this guy is taking projects. So you got to be right. happy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it just happened. It's just a, and his client was Kurt Douglas. And so he sat me and Kurt down and we talked about how to make this movie work uh, because it was after his stroke. Okay. Uh, and the original uh, script was called Sundowning, um, which is about Alzheimer's. And we changed it to Diamonds and made the story more about someone that had had a stroke and how he was dealing with the stroke. It wasn't about losing his memory. Um, which is weird you say that because my mom actually has Alzheimer's. And my, my father passed away a year and a half ago. And later in his life, he had a stroke. Mm -hmm. So they're both very, I mean, they're hard subjects to work with because they're such there's so there are these diseases or well, they're not strokes not a disease but they're things that you know you you need to really get it right on mm -hmm. and i'm sure directing someone who had a stroke must be hard because the speech is you know it's so off i mean it's it's and you don't like my dad would get very frustrated yeah. you know it's like you know what they know what they're saying and they don't and they get pissed i mean that must have been weird saying you know cut cut stuff like that oh yeah no it was tough it was tough um but he you know from day one started working on his speech really hard um, and very rarely did I have, I mean, I think in ADR, I had him come in and loop a few things. Okay. If we were doing, you know, shots, you know, on Steadicam or, or bigger shots that were, um, required him to come in and loop, but no more than anybody else. I mean, he, he did a great job. The one thing that he did do the first day of shooting, which was unbelievable was, um, I gave him some quick direction. I said, okay, Kurt, you get out of the car, you walk around to the front and you'll stand here. You'll say your line to Dan. And he said, yes, sir, this is your set. And that's what he said. Once he uh, did that, it kind of set the tone for the entire film. So he really, you know, and, and Dan Aykroyd was amazing to work with. And each one of them is such a different actor. You right. Know, Dan Aykroyd likes uh, line readings. He likes to actually hear exactly how you want it. He does and then, Oh, really? Yeah, and Kirk Douglas likes to know the definition of why he's doing. So each person, you know, and every actor is like that. You really feel like a, uh, a therapist when you're directing because you have so many different personalities. Well, that must have just made you groan immensely as a director just because you're with these people and you have you're having three different people and you're getting the respect which you talked about before when you would be on the set and you see how the director got the respect yeah. that must have just been a, a, just a for you a mind-blowing experience yeah it was it was a great experience now were you still acting after when you started directing or did you cut away from the acting uh no i was still acting i just shot a pilot right before i went off and, and did that uh, thing called the miles family uh, it didn't get picked up, but it was great. And then I did another thing with Scott Wolf called Rubbing Charlie, another pilot that didn't get picked up. I mean, there's so many pilots that I've done that haven't been picked up. That's just so many people's stories. It's like yeah. you sit there and you're like, all right, you finally you go through the whole process. And like, 
and even if it's like it may look like a great cast and if it's great sometimes they just don't pick it up and you're like wait you, you didn't pick up this but you picked up that you know, know. it's like That's it's it's, it's, it goes. it's like the nfl draft you know wait you're picking this guy but then that guy sucks and then it's a mid-season replacement right so now but now at this point are you do you really want to focus just on directing or you you want to do keep doing both you mean as in today no 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 back when back <laughs> oh, when that was back. taking off uh, you know, I was, I'm, I was always open. I, I think, you know, it's just a, it's a weird situation when you walk into casting and they say, wait a minute, didn't you direct that movie? Why are you auditioning? You know, they can't figure it out. But I think because of how tough this industry is, you just take whatever you can get really, right. you know, you, you're, you're open to everything. If you're going to rewrite something, you'll rewrite something. You're going to direct, direct. If you're going to act, act. Now, how did a uh, one tree hill come over? Cause you, know, you were pretty much there in for a season or, or no, I was for a, there for a while. So now, did you do like half? A, like when they when they do it, were you the resident director? Like you directed all of them, or how does that work? How does uh, it depend? I mean, you know, some seasons you'll do four episodes, other seasons you'll do two. It it just depends. I mean, you kind of. I became a resident director for like three years. Okay. Um, but that job was insane. This is talk about acting meets directing, all that jazz. Um, I was auditioning for a pilot that Joe Devola, who's the executive producer of One Tree Hill. Uh, he was doing another pilot with Tolan Robbins. And I had gotten all the way to the point where I was going to go to the network. And, and, you know, I'm playing a goofy cop. Perfect. <laughs> so I said to Joe Devola, I said, Joe, and I don't know if people know who Joe Devola is, but he in basically invented MTV. He was the head of the network. Right. I mean, he was the guy. Um, and uh, I said, Joe, if I, if I don't book this job, will you let me direct One Tree Hill? And he's like, yeah, sure. If you don't book this, because he really thought I was going to book okay, it. He was, he was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't tell if I deliberately blew it to get the directing <laughs> job, or I'm not sure what I did. But I didn't get it. And uh, and they hired me to direct One Tree Hill. And, I, and that was an amazing experience. I mean... Uh, it's a whole different world than directing features. You know, you're now you're directing television. This was your first episodic directing. Uh, no, I directed Going to California, uh, which was Scott Rosenberg's series on Showtime. Okay. Oh yeah, that um, was that was they used a bunch of young hot directors for that. I read yes. about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been that must have been cool that they said, "Hey, you're a hot young director. We want to use you." I was one of the stars of the show, so okay. it was part of my deal. I said, if you want me in the show, you have to let me direct three episodes. That must be great, though, when you're sitting there, because that must make you feel great, because that means they really, really want you, because there's a ton of actors in this town. But that must have they said, okay, we really want him, because mm -hmm. and we're gonna let him direct. So that must have been that must have been like the mighty swinging dick syndrome. Like, I, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like <laughs> I have a series and I'm commanding to direct. It was awesome. So yeah, now, awesome. now what was it like directing yourself? Uh, I didn't wasn't in those episodes. Okay. Luckily, uh, now have you ever directed yourself? I have. Now, what's that like? I always hear that must be because you you know. I mean, yeah, are you subjective because you you know in your mind that how it should be because you if you write or you direct it, you see what you say. Sure. And when you act, I'm sure it must be hard to sit yourself going, you know, I just screwed it up. Are you harder on yourself, or or, or, or is it or is it? Just you, you're very open about it. No, I. It, it's it's weird. I if I can let go, then I can do the acting part really well. It's when I am aware of camera and I'm aware of everything that's okay. going on. That's when my performance gets hindered. Um, but I just look at you know you look at guys like Clint Eastwood who do it all the time. I just I, I think it's very difficult to do. I think James Franco just directed himself in something. Um, it's it's tough. I think for me, I have a, a first AD that I really trust uh, involved, and I would talk to my my cinematographer, my DP, and just be like, "How was that for camera? Were you guys happy? And then, what did you guys think about performance?" 
Um, and I would let them have a little say at it because it's too hard for me to judge myself. Yeah, I, I would think I, that. I, and also, it must be weird because when you're trying to act, you said when you let go, mm-hmm. it comes ringing. But when you're trying to act and there's other people in the scene that you have to direct, that must be hard for you if you're in the middle of the scene and you want to get into the acting. You want to get into this and then you're like, God and this person is just not hitting their mark. I mean, that must just drive you. Your mind must be racing 87 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And also you want to say to your actor, you know, especially if they're not hitting, especially if you're doing a a comedy which relies on timing uh, and you want to tell them how to deliver a line but you're acting with them, it could be really tricky. I I think staying away from uh, directing yourself is probably the best advice. Um, You know, I mean, uh, I guess an exception to the rule would be, uh, you know, Ben Affleck and Woody Allen. And, right. And, Even and, Jerry uh, Lewis. You know, people don't know he directed a lot of his old movies. And yeah, people he don't, did. You know. I, I think, though, see, I, I think I look at directing a little bit differently than them. You know what I mean? Like the directing for me really is understanding camera and knowing how to tell a story through camera and being able to give your actors real notes. I think when you're acting and directing yourself you have to let some of that go and then in essence you're not directing okay so you know i'm i'm not sure for example what uh ben affleck's routine is but i'm sure he has such a capable dp or he's so pre-prepped that he knows every single shot before he gets into it so he doesn't even have to think about the directing aspect anymore then he can once once they arrive on set they've got everything so dialed in that he can just worry about his performance um but it's i mean frick you know argo was awesome oh yeah i mean so with with uh, one tree hill no it was three seasons mm-hmm. you directed now did you grow a lot during those i mean did that really because you i'm sure it's a different episode each week. When you do a movie, you're in for how many days, and sure. you have that one thing. Now, mm-hmm. this, there's different storylines, and you're working with probably a lot of different characters. And, you know, as you said, you know from being a guest star in certain shows, there's mm-hmm. a guest thing. Would, was it a very big learning process for you? Did you find it challenging at all, like having to change like, the story uh, every week? And, and I guess it's a very more rigid schedule. It, yeah, oh, the schedule's crazy. Okay. Um, you know, you have eight days to shoot an hour. Uh, um, and, you know, when I'm shooting a feature, I'm shooting maybe four pages a day and on tree hill i'm shooting 12 pages a day okay (laughs) so it's you know it's a whole different animal um the stories aren't changing much because you understand all the characters you know all the the characters by the by you know i started on season three have already gone through kind of emotional arcs in different ways so it's just new problems new drama you know new situations are arriving and it's how these characters deal with those situations um but you do you know we do these things uh, the, the executive mark schwan who's a pretty much genius um he wrote a film called the perfect score which i really liked and then he did uh, i've one, heard of that who was in that do you remember um a lot of talented kids but uh, <laughs> but he, he wrote it and then um after that he went on and created one tree hill and um I, I just loved working with him, but he, he would we would do tone meetings, and in the tone meetings, he would tell you literally for each scene what the tone of each scene is, and that's what, why directors do tone meetings, so you understand what message you have to deliver in each scene. Um, so that made it... I just learned a lot about television making in, in that process. How long would your days be? I mean, would, is it like a 12, 14? And I guess for you, you have to hang around. Was it- I'm a really notoriously known to be a super fast director. 
I'm a really fast director. I'm not one for multiple, multiple, multiple takes. Because you, you pretty much have the gist of what you're going to get, and you don't mm-hmm. sit there and go, okay, I need it this way and this no, way. So you're I don't like, understand okay. directors like that. They make me mental. I've seen guys do 11 takes, and I'm like, what are you looking for in take 11? Like, what, what are we doing? Um, I'm like a three-to-one ratio, pretty much, I'm shooting. So it was a shorter day. So so you get you're going through Tree Hill, and then you know now was it you're working with kids of different ages. Mm-hmm. Now that must have been sort of a flashback to you being a weird science, you yeah. know, because there's probably one kid sitting there. I going, definitely know. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna examine his directing because there's probably a John Asher on one Tree Hill who's going. There I'm was. gonna direct, and I want to see this. How was that like? Because you and you had to probably have you probably also had to uh, understand them more because a director who's never. Being a kid, like an actor, or in a, in a playing someone younger with younger mm-hmm. people, probably wouldn't understand it as much. Like these, some of these guys who were very rigid when you were in Weird Science, may have not understood what a young actor goes through. Did you sit there and notice, like ever, like some like test of like your your? Oh strength? yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I think I got instant karma um, with some of the some of the castmates. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but there were some people that were notoriously late and then had attitude problems. Um, and I just saw some Gary Wallace in there, some you know old John Asher, um, and we all go through that. It's amazing how badly actors want to be uh, in front of the camera and how bad they want a job. And then when they get the job, oh man, when can I go home? I can't believe I'm here. Which you know what? It's taking forever. That <laughs> like, that goes the across the board. When I used to be in the restaurants, <laughs> when I when I waited tables and I was in marketing for restaurants, <clears throat> same thing. People would sit there, you'd hear a server going, oh man, oh I don't know how I'm going to make rent. Oh man, I have, I have no money. Hey man, do you want to stay for me? I don't want to. And it's like, I thought you need, it's the same thing. It's, well, it's the same thing with writing. Yeah. You know, we love, once we sit down and we do it, we love it. But getting to the table, you're like, Oh yeah, you know I'll start later. I'll start tomorrow, and it's just that weird thing, and you love it. And once you get into get it, it, it's it's, it's so weird. weird. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, and these kids were making a lot of money a week. Now, how did how did you deal with that as a director? Did you just sit there? Did you coddle them, or you just you became like no. a badass going screw this? No, you laugh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you laugh, and you just and you remind them exactly uh, what I just told you. You just go, guys. You remember how bad you wanted this. This is what you wanted. This is, is, and now you're here. So just make the best of it. Um, I had a lot of good experiences on that show too, with, the, with some of the best crews I've ever worked with in Wilmington, North Carolina. You would never think it, but these guys were unbelievable. Um, some of the actors, I mean, Sophia Bush was absolute, f- so much fun to work with. Always on time, knew her stuff, never complained. Uh, James Lafferty, he was amazing kid to work with. Um, Joy Bethany, um, all, 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 all really talented kids, really nice people to work with. Greg Prange, the executive producer, awesome. Now, what did you think of North Carolina? Because it's very North Carolina's a very hip area. I mean, they have the, the North Charlotte and all them. But, mm. but first of all, this pe- is Wilmington, though. This okay, it's like a little part of. A lot of people yeah. don't know that North Carolina. There's a lot of stuff shot there. Yeah, so Iron now, Man Three was shot there. So now, how long would you have to go down there? When you would go down, would you stay for Six, a few weeks? Sixteen days. Okay. Now, yeah. So now you, the, well, you prep for a week and then you shoot for a week. But you would go back and forth a lot then because you would do different episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, were you digging that? Were you digging like the laid back North Carolina? Awesome. Did I rented you? a house on the beach. Oh, it really? Was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I would love to go back there and shoot. I think they've got two shows there now. Um, the, uh, the Headless Horseman is shot there. Okay. And then uh, there's another one. I forgot the name of it, but there's two big shows there right now. So let's go. So now, now one tree hill. Is done now. Throughout this time, I know because I've seen your resume, you, you, you've done a lot of guest spots and a lot of acting. Mm-hmm. But now, after one after one Tree Hill is done, 
do you sit there and go, okay, I'm going to pursue my acting again? Or did because you, you probably were very busy with the directing that you couldn't really pursue acting at that, that point. Yeah, at that point I couldn't. Uh, but yeah, then I started getting back on the the acting train, you know, and started auditioning and getting. That's when I finally met Ray. Is uh, years later uh, on In Plain Sight. That was a lot of fun. Now, did you miss the acting? Because I mean, you're, you're when you're directing, I'm sure it's. I mean, now you've directed yourself before, but you said, but when when you when you're just directing, do you sit there and go, man, you know what? I sort of miss the acting, or when you're acting. I mean, as an actor, this is going to sound so incredibly narcissistic, but I'm going to say it anyways because I think it's there's a ton of truth in it for a lot of people. Um, there are a lot of actors that don't like watching themselves. I love watching myself. Like I'm not even kidding you, I, because I like seeing if I pulled off the character. I like you know seeing the performance, and if that's you know like I played this really introverted nerdy guy on um in plain sight who that was a great show I, I, my girlfriend used to watch that a lot and i, I saw it really it's really enjoyable yeah it was a cool show mary mccormick awesome very talented beautiful sweet lady she played howard stern's wife in, she's uh, so in body in yeah, that. yeah but aside from her beauty honestly is uh so talented and, and so cool and fun to work with um but but uh yeah, it, when I watch a performance where I did a really good job, I'm like, yes, like I feel so good. So that's the part of acting that I like. And I like the instant gratification I get. Like if a crew member comes up to me, he's like, dude, man, you were awesome in that scene. I'm like, thanks, man. So there's that. I love that. But then, and also the fact that when I'm directing and I see, and I, you know, we say that's a wrap and the actors go home. I'm like, those lucky bastards, they get to go home right now. Like, right. I'm stuck with this thing. I have to cut it together. And like, this is, <laughs> yeah, I can make like, his performance done, good. Yeah. yeah, I'm still here. We got to worry about the next day. But then I tell the, the other story I tell about directing. The part about directing I like is um, when I tell you a story, uh, I, I always use this example, this exact example, believe it or not. But if I say to you, there was a purple dinosaur driving a school bus and he drove it off a freeway into the ocean, right? You would see, and all of our listeners would see, a different type of purple dinosaur, a different type of school bus, a different freeway, different ocean. You guys all see something completely different. But if you go see the John Asher version of that story in the theater, you're going to see what I actually saw. Okay. So that's what I love about directing is you really are getting to relay your image, your storytelling. That's what I love, love about it more than anything. Now it's funny you said you love to watch yourself, and when you mm-hmm. nail it, you're like, "Yes." Mm-hmm. Is there has there been any scenes in or any guest spots that you've done where you sit there and you watch it and you go, <laughs> what, "What was I thinking?" Like, of like course. just I mean, and, and is, do you do you yes ninety percent of what I do I do that yes ninety <laughs> percent of the time I go, "What an idiot! Who bought that? Are you kidding me?" Yes, that's why I like watching because. I, 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 I like to pull it off. I like if I can make myself laugh. You know, I used to break all the time. Uh, Lee Turgeson, who is... He's awesome. Um, He's been in so many different i mean he was in he was in rescue me you should actually it, meet with lee uh, i would love to meet with lee turkins i think he's a great i mean the he's guy brilliant he's he was in ah uh, i mean the guy just has this you, you look at it and he has this amazing resume and he always plays a different character i'm trying to get him to star in this next movie which i'm allowed to talk about now i just okay. got a text but uh but i'm trying to get him to star in that and uh, yeah he he <laughs> every time he would make me break 
Like I couldn't eat. With, I can't. I love he. I love laughing. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. So I don't understand. He would make me laugh like crazy. One set. Oh yeah, in the middle of a scene. So I, now, how do you contain that? Because I think that's one of those things where, when you know, when you, when you're allowed to laugh, mm-hmm. like let's say cause I did, I do stand up. When you're allowed to laugh, you want people to laugh. But when, but as a person, when you're watching a comedy mm-hmm. and you're allowed to laugh, you laugh. But. In, if you're in a situation where you be acting or in the classroom when you're not supposed to laugh and once you give that first laugh you can't stop I and, can't. It's, and it's it's a point where it's like I mean I I love but hate the feeling where you get to the point where your stomach is almost hurting oh, and awesome. you're and it's you're the greatest. catching your breath That's and you're going great. and you're going just let this stop and you, then you think you always go yeah. <laughs> and then three <laughs> seconds later, whack yeah, again. Yeah. So now how, I mean, now let's drive the director crazy. They hated it. They hated it. They, <coughs> they would get mad at Lee and me uh, for doing that. And I, I love laughing. I can't help it. I, there's a, what are you going to do? It's, it's the key to life is laughing, man. Laughing and love. And I, and, um, I started directing this. I directed a comedy special uh, for Jenny. Uh, she's got this comedy special called Dirty Sexy Funny, which, okay. which airs on Epics uh, February 14th. I have Epics. I'll have to check it out. I have yeah. the Epics. You do? Yeah. I just, in fact, I just watched a, they have a bunch of great documentaries. Yeah. They have one about the uh, NCAA, how, like, just how they just screwed, it's a screwed the students. It's network, isn't oh, it? It's great. It's really I mean, I, I, it was one of those things they said, well, you know, there's a package and you'll get, and I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I said, well, yeah, if it's free, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. It's going to cost me a buck a month. Right, I right. And it, it has some great movies. And I mean, I, and I'm a big documentary guy. Oh, I mean, cool. Right which my girlfriend's not a big documentary person. So what's your I, favorite documentary? You know, I don't, I've, there's, I don't, so many. There's, there's so many and I'm just getting more into them did and you see I, Man on a Wire did you see that one yeah I saw that unbelievable and, and there's so many that are just so good and what I like is I, and I need to watch more of them that's my thing this year I'm going to watch more documentaries and I'm going to listen to more podcasts because a lot of my friends have podcasts and stuff like that and I want to hear what's out there, you know, and it's yeah. very informative. But now, so the comedy, so you directed, was it a stand-up Jenny show? Is it stand-up? Yeah, it was stand-up, but she doesn't do stand-up. Right. So she said, would you come in and direct the sketches in between? So I directed all these sketches, and they're hilarious. They're, we did these five ridiculous sketches. Now, in your, in your background, it seems like you mostly directed uh, drama. Mm-hmm. Now, was that one of your first stabs at comedy, or what was your first stab at directing comedy? Uh, well, I wrote a comedy called Chick Flick uh, okay. with Maxine Bonds and uh, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember everybody in the cast. That was that was literally my second film I'd ever shot. Um, and Jamie Walters, my gosh, uh, who else was in there? There's uh, who was in there? Chick Flick. We got to look that Chick up. Flick. Look. Chick so Flick. Now, now, what was it like for you directing comedy? Because I mean, awesome. I love directing comedy. It's just it's what my dad did. It's it's in my blood. I love comedy. As a matter of fact, the next film I'm doing is a big comedy. So we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about other things. So wait, we yeah. have a we have a Maxine Bonds, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Manasseri. Oh, that's right, Mike. <laughs> uh, Jamie Walters, Lee Everett, and Manny Perez. Lee Turgeson was in there. He's not listed. He should be. Wait, let's see full cast because there's Wayne Eric as the bouncer. Lee Turgeson was brilliant. I can't even believe Lee was brilliant in it. He's not listed. Lee's not listed on in IMDb. You know what? You know that's just crap because I was <laughs> I was crazy. in this I was in this cult classic movie called Killer Drag Queens on Dope. <laughs> Alexa, Alexis Arquette was a star. Okay, and I played a thug with a guy named Mark Beltzman, who's a character actor, has been around. Right. And I was in 25 minutes of the movie. And you go to IMDb, I'm not listed. Yeah, that's I'm, ridiculous. I'm fourth in the credits. So put yourself in it. I don't even know how to do that. I, I, that's I, the, I'll show you how to do it. I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know. By, by the way, you know, Dirty Love, which 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 
got me a Razzie. You know, I got a Razzie here. No, no, do they actually give deal. you, do you, do you actually get I a Razzie? Go, I didn't go and get it because I, I feel like anybody that does something out of meanness doesn't deserve to be on my radar. That's a good, have you ever seen Jamie Kennedy's documentary, Heckler? Yeah, they, yeah. That's I mean, about meanness. Yeah. And I, it irritates me. And I, the, whole, the whole thing twittering now, too, the tweeting. Mm. When people tweet mean stuff to people, it's like, don't you have anything better to do? It's like, I, I write, don't know where that comes from. That comes from, uh, I learned this uh, from a few people, but... It comes from your own self-loathing when you do something like that. You have gotta not like yourself in it, order to it's be. It's so negative. irritating. It's yeah, like yeah. I mean, I mean, I make jokes, you know, and I'll mock people about you know, but you're but a comedian. That's a though. joke. But I don't sit there right. and say to someone, I won't tweet them and go, "Oh, you know what? You're not funny. You suck," or this. And it's like, because what does it get me? Nothing. So, so you got a Razzie. So now, what is that like? I mean, and, and, but you got to sit there and be tongue in cheek. And you know, I had these to. are people. What? Who are they? <laughs> You're direct. You were married to Jenny McCarthy. You're directing movies. You're directing TV. You act, and they're calling me out. Hey, sit sit a day in my life, and then let me see what how your life is. Right. No. I mean, I I uh, it, I think I liked the only thing I liked about the Razzies was the uh, the other nominees in my category. Uh, it was Steven Spielberg for um, War of the Worlds and M. Night Shyamalan for Lady in the Water. Um, and I sent them both an email uh, that said, good luck on the Razzies. I haven't heard back still. But, um, but, I, but you know, look, uh, I got it. It's fine. It, it kind of uh, motivated me to make better films. And I did. You know, that's what we're well, doing now. I want to talk about Somebody Marry Me. So by the way, by the way, by the way, Dirty Love, Okay. That thing cost under a million dollars to make. Oh, who's made, in that? Who stars it, in it? It made over twelve million dollars worldwide. There you go. It's a bona fide hit, money wise. Uh, it was Jenny McCarthy wrote it, starred in it. Carmen Electra, Eddie K. Thomas. I may, uh, I may check if it's on Netflix. I'm going to stream it. It's. Uh, it was just taken off Netflix because they haven't because they haven't paid me yet. Can oh, I still haven't see, been paid on that film. That's, that's see, that's lame. So I won't Same. watch it now. Once it goes back but up, I know on, you got. It's paid. on iTunes. Okay, I may have to check that out because <laughs> I, I love I love movies again. So now now some because it's so funny. You go from getting Narazi, then we're going to this. The somebody marry me, which is very uh, ingenious. And now, right. how did you, if, if people his movie coming out? It's and if you listen, Ray is the star. Ray Bruzzo talked about it. It's one. Just one shot. Correct. Now, was that your idea, or did you write? You wrote the movie. Yeah, I wrote it. So when you sit there, uh, did you when you sat down to write it? Did mm -hmm. you say, okay, here's what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, you know, because everyone thinks of long shot. They all think of Touch of Evil, and I, right. you know, everyone thinks that that's like the twenty whatever how long shot. When you wrote it in your mind, did you say, I want this to be just in one running sequence? Correct. Yeah. So yeah. when you wrote that, you knew that. Yeah. Why did you, why did you want to do that? Was there something that, uh, something that planted an idea in your head? Yeah. A couple things. Uh, one, um, I saw the, uh, the Russian film, the Russian arc, um, which was all shot in one location. Um, and it was 96 minutes and it was, uh, they recorded the dialogue later. So they ADR the entire film. So they shot it without sound. Um, and I thought it was a really unique idea. And then years later, a film called Silent House came out, and they claimed that it was the first horror film shot, one continuous take. And then I watched it, and I realized, no, it's not. It's a bunch of scenes stitched together, okay. a bunch of shots stitched together that looked like one shot. Right. So it was made to look like one take. And I was like, there has to be a way to actually do this. Why, why can't people just why – don't, why don't you just turn on the camera and go – um, but the technology didn't exist. Um, and then uh, we got the red team together uh, and a red Epic camera. And they designed a card for us, which was a 500 gig card. 
which could actually hold this amount of information. What is a normal card size? Like 120. Okay. But, but now, now the 500 gig is a kind of a standard. I think they're okay. making they're making them now. But for us, we had one uh, one of the first two ever made. Um, and then uh, the biggest department in our film ended up being the sound department, uh, which is normally the smallest department in films. Normally, you have a sound mixer and a boom man. In our film, we had four separate full sound departments, uh, and we had multiple locations. We had five locations and driving. A lot of people think that we're just at a Starbucks for 98 minutes, which we're not. Uh, this movie moves across the city, and, um, and so you have to. So you really, it really has to be planned very. Oh well, God. and and just yeah. now, and I guess you have to take into account LA traffic, mm-hmm. which you know, I mean, there's and, and that's the whole thing about LA is how long does it get there? Well, it depends if it's this time and this time, and sometimes it takes forever. So you are really taking on a, a huge project. I mean, it, it may, people may not understand; they may think, "Oh, you're just running the camera the whole time," but you're not because you are. But you have to; these people have to act. It's like you, the actors, have to know their lines. And I guess oh, yeah. and, there's and, no and, there's no improv. There was only one moment of improv uh, towards the end when we hit a red light. And I'm in the back of this bagel truck. And I said, Ray, I need you to talk about bagels. Go. And he just started improving about bagels. And I said, once the light turns green, go back to, you know, pick up where we left off. Uh, we had one take, uh, take four, went 75 minutes into the film and the camera died. Yeah. So now, now that, insane. how does, what does that do? I mean, you know, it, so you started off the, the first three takes. Mm. Did you get the whole movie the first three takes? No, just certain? no, no. We had uh, one actor that just kept flubbing his lines. So you had to restart. Yeah. So finally you get past that mm-hmm. and you're at 75 minutes and how long is the movie? 93, 90. 98 minutes. Okay. So you have, you have 23 minutes left. So you're, mm. you're probably sitting there going, okay. This is where, not where we coast, but the the majority of the stuff is gone. We're coming home. I mean, yeah. how many more locations did you have when your camera died? Uh, we had one more <laughs> one more driving scene. Okay, so yeah. that was, so you're going. Okay, yeah. this is great. Yeah. How bad do you freak out when that camera goes? Uh, you just you know at that point after all months of rehearsal <laughs> and stuff like that, you literally go numb. Yeah, because you're, you're uh, you can't you, even react, and you only have one. You're shooting in one day, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so now you have to go completely. Back. We broke. Yeah, we broke for lunch, and uh, the DP. I remember the DP. He just said, "Get this thing off my back." And I was like, "What's ha- what, what's what's going on?" He said, just get it off my back. And then the kid runs over. He's a DIT. He's the digital technician. He's oh my god, oh my god! I had it in HDR mode, and I go, dude, please talk English. I don't know what's happening. And he's like, for every one shot, it was shooting three shots, which I don't understand what that redundancy is for, but there's a, a reason for it. Um, and he apologized. There was nothing we could do. We went to lunch, and we just rallied. And I said, guys, we've got one more shot at it before the sun goes down. We've one more shot at this. And we were like, okay. And we just went for it. And there's only, you know, my original plan was to shoot it three times in one day and sit down and pick. How cocky is that? To sit down and pick (laughs) which one, hmm, which one I was going to use to make the movie. And then I would release a director's cut one day and blah, blah, blah. Uh, or the you know the unseen cut right. take or we call it take two so you could see the difference between it would would have been really cool yeah totally um, and there's only one take and it six I mean that's that's it what you see there is nothing there's nothing on the editing room floor this film is as raw as it can get this is one performance it's one of one of one of a kind it's it you know 
So that's so, it. so so when does it come out, or when when can people see it? Or we're still trying to get it sold because I, I, what's happening is people are uh, studio execs, big you know, big studios have watched it. Uh, Warner Brothers watched it. It's too small for them, and I get it. And and there and there are no giant big actors in it, huge big stars in it. There's a bunch of very talented actors who are are mind blowing, and their performances are great. And it's a funny, sweet movie. I mean, also the fact that it's a comedy was insane, that we were trying to make a comedy, you know. Especially with, as you said, the laughing syndrome, you know, when yeah. you're doing one set, if someone starts losing it, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, it's but which might be very funny in a movie, though. It's it's just I, can't, it. I can't wait for you to see it. But I, I you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll find a good company. Like, I've got Harvey Weinstein. Uh, the Weinsteins are looking at it. I think it'd be a great vehicle for them uh, or actually, they would be a great vehicle for us. I should right. say that. <laughs> uh, they, uh, but Harvey did. You know, they did diamonds, and I would love for him to to distribute this film for me. Um, I think that they are a class act, and that's what this film is. It's a class act. So, you know, I don't know who's going to take it on, but we'll see. You know, no, is it in black and white? No, there okay. are moments in black and white. Okay, so no, no, okay, so that goes that goes back to when you're going back and going over that you switched certain parts to black and white, or you didn't film it. Uh, no, 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 no. I was shot in color, um, uh, but uh, there are moments where the driving sequences took so long that I didn't want the audience to get bored, so we did speed ramps, so I sped it up, and as it speeds up, it dips into black and white and then comes back out, so it's just a gag. How big of a relief was it when if I, when you finally said cut? Oh, God. You must just been, that must have been, like, epic for you. First of all, it was my mom's birthday. It was December 16th. Uh... I was supposed to be with her. She just turned 75, and I couldn't. So I was thankful for that, uh, that I actually achieved what I wanted to achieve. But all of us, I still think, I sit here today, I'm looking at you, and I'm, I don't believe that we pulled it off. You know, it's one of those things where you just, it'll never happen again, ever. Um, and I, you know, I've toyed with the idea, even Ray and I have talked about it, and I was like, maybe we do a drama next time. And then we're like, no. You don't want to do it again. You know, you want to do it once. This is really, it's one of a kind. No one's done it. So, you know. So we have a few minutes left. So sure. you also, uh, any acting gigs coming up? We can see any, anything coming up or? Uh, acting wise, nah, nothing, no, nothing that I'm aware of. <laughs> and now we can talk real quick. The movie you were going to, you were going to put together? Uh, yeah, we start shooting. Uh, this is a big deal. Uh, we're going to shoot uh, the comedy spoof on all the Taken films. It's called Tooken. Um, and uh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But we're doing. You know, he's got a. Did you write it? No, uh, Cameron Van Hoy wrote it. Um, a brilliant young actor writer, and uh, Kelly Noonan's producing um, with her company Elevate. And um, we're shooting in April. I'm super excited. It's a. It's a. It's a big film for me. Um, I'm trying to get trying to get Lee to star in it. That's what I want. I would love Lee to play the uh, Liam Neeson character because he would be genius. Is it? Is it? <laughs> like? Is it sort of like a scary movie where it's little vignettes, or is it just one long? It's the. It's the whole. It's. It's the. It'll have. It has a whole story. Right. But within that story are moments from the Taken films. Okay. Because um, we're spoofing Taken. Right. But we're all also going to spoof. Uh, uh, non-stop which is his latest film coming out uh but it's just insane that, I mean, there's so many funny sequences in the actual taking because i had to go back and watch those films to see what i was doing here where he's talking to his daughter on the phone about how to escape um but i can't wait to make the movie now, do you ever worry like if you run into him like because <laughs> he's a pretty big dude he's a big guy <laughs> i'm not deliberately making fun of him 
I, who knows? You know, we might work together. He might want to be day. in it. Sometimes oh people God. hear that stuff. They go, they. I think some. Right. He seems like that. He was on a Life Is Short, which was a Ricky Gervais series on HBO mm-hmm. about the little the little person who was oh, right, right, right. He came in and he played comedy, and it was just so Gervais. I mean, he was uh, leaving this one scene. It was just so damn funny. Yeah. No. It he's was, a first of all, he's a really really talented actor. The reason those movies do so well. Uh, are not because of the scripts. I mean, they do well probably because he's a really good actor. Right. And, you know, if you can... Uh, it's that sense, uh, suspension of disbelief. That's right. why that movie works. But then if you were really to step back and look at it as a literal piece, then you go, this is absurd. This is right. insane. So, which, it just left itself open to be spoofed, and we're, I'm here to spoof it, so let's do it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm glad we got together to do this, and uh, it was nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Uh, do you tweet or anything, or people? how do people catch up with you? I, I do I have a Twitter uh, director? Wait, hold on. Do I have a second to look it up? Yeah, yeah. Hurry up, hurry up. I am hurrying up. This is actually me on the cell phone hurrying, and the cell phone's taking a moment. And he's directing himself. Well, you can follow me at Twitter at Cooper Talk, and you can follow John on Twitter at John Asher at Director Asher. There you go at Director Asher. So follow him. Also, Let's people. See. Yeah, see that it's a. Uh, at Director Asher, so follow him. Uh, also, people, uh, listen to past episodes. I have 218 episodes up on uh, www.coopertalk.net. Also, uh, iTunes or Stitcher, type in Cooper Talk one word, it will come up. Also, uh, for you Android users, go to the Google Play Store, type in one word Cooper Talk. You can download the app. And for iPhone users, type Cooper Talk dot pod being forward slash mobile forward slash you can get on your itunes it's got a little picture of me you can see what i look like instead of just listening to me so yeah so i want to i want to thank my guest john asher follow him on twitter look for uh, somebody marry me when it comes out you guys guys watch it when it comes out eventually cooper right? talk cooper talk cooper talk cooper talk cooper talk you guys have a great weekend <laughs> listen to cooper talk remember eat your vegetables take your vitamins drink your water steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guests i'm out to lunch <laughs>